Hello everyone and welcome in to the Youth Hoops Pod presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Youth basketball is often disorganized, focused solely on winning, and generally frustrating. But at Pro Skills Basketball, our mission is to change that culture. We strive to provide a more professional experience for parents, players, and coaches. One focused on organized communication, fun, mutual respect, and personal growth on and off the court. And the Youth Hoops Pod is a part of that. This podcast covers a wide range of youth basketball topics, from high school and AAU basketball to college recruiting, NCAA, NBA, overseas basketball, mental health and performance, leadership, and much more. Now let's jump into today's conversation. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Youth Hoops Pod, presented by Pro Skills Basketball. Chris Goodrum here. Your host, excited for today's call. I've got two special guests, uh, individuals that I've come to know as good friends, our very own PSB co-founders, Brendan Winters and Logan Kozmowski, joining us today to talk all things PSB, uh, from where we've been to where we're going and everything in between. Gentlemen, welcome to the call. Hey, Chris. Thanks. Hey, Chris. Good to be with you again. Yeah, good. Good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. It's not like we're on calls almost every day of the week. So, um, what do you, you know, out of curiosity, what do you guys find yourself doing now, Brendan, Logan? Well, I'll let Logan go first. Find myself doing now. Um, I'm currently in Philadelphia, um, Pennsylvania. I've been up here for about two years now after being in Charlotte for 10 or 11 years, getting PSB Charlotte started. Um, got a five-year-old son living right around the corner from my parents and my brother and his family. So I'm um, working with PSB Philadelphia, working with all of our PSB cities around the nation and uh, living a good family life. Yeah. I, I was just up in the SWAT area, hanging out with the family, a very cool area. I think I could, uh, if it wasn't for the gray weather, I could, uh, I could be a person, a, a permanent resident of the SWAT area for sure. It, it was gray while you were here. I'll give you that. Yep. Yeah. Brendan, what about you, my man? Yeah, I'm still in the Charlotte area, South Charlotte area have a couple kids now seven and five seven-year-old girl five-year-old boy and uh still helping out here and there with our uh with psb charlotte also focused pretty heavily on the growth side and uh opening our new locations and um making sure those those all go well absolutely so just to give the listeners some context brendan winters uh lives in charlotte operates uh in the role of chief growth officer, so all things PSB growth. Uh, and then Logan works directly with all operations as our CEO of Pro Skills Basketball uh, and really uh, uh, driving the ship. Uh, it takes a leader to set the course, and we have at the helm a really amazing leader in Logan. So appreciate both of these individuals being here and helping us kind of chart new waters as PSB continues to grow. Uh, we, we wanted to really use this conversation to kind of talk through kind of their experience pre-Pro Skills Basketball and kind of what led them to Pro Skills Basketball and then now where we find themselves and kind of talk through kind of the maturation and growth and journey of Pro Skills Basketball. So, Brendan, like, kind of kind of tell the listeners, talk through the listeners. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know kind of the story of you guys overseas. Hey, what do we want to do when we get back? Hey, let's start Pro Skills Basketball. Like, what... What did that napkin kind of moment, what, what was that like? 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 slightly hard to remember exactly what happened because it was, I don't know, dang near 15 or 20 years ago. Now it feels like probably 15 years ago that 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 I think um, maybe the the idea happened or, or Logan and I started talking about. It. But we were both playing overseas. Uh, we had the same agent, so we were lucky enough to play in the same city on the same team a, a couple times. And uh, we were in Germany playing together, and I believe it was 2008 or 2009, uh, you know, probably 2008, where we start, first started talking about it. But we had both come from basketball families. Our, our fathers both played at a high level. Um, and so we're, we're kind of sons of coaches, so to speak. And so grew up going to basketball camps, all that sort of stuff. And so uh, we started talking about it. And, and honestly, I believe it was Logan's idea about, about starting a basketball camp. Um, and so we decided to, to give it a shot and start one up in the Lake Norman area. We both went to Davidson. And so we started it up there and, um, didn't quite know what we were getting into. We just thought we could probably throw our names on, on something and say we were running a basketball camp and we'd have kids come out. And, uh, so that's basically how it started. And we, we definitely failed, uh, the first summer. And I'll, I'll, maybe I'll let Logan say a little bit more about that. Yeah, so definitely we, we like Brendan said, thought we could just put up a website and people would, uh, you know, come, come flooding to our camp. We had zero people, I think, the first year and decided we had to cancel it. And then um, sort of tried to regroup and try to give it another shot next summer. But just learning that we had to be much more intentional about outreach and, and getting to know people in the community and, uh, we found some uh, some local parents who we, we got to know their kids and they were really impactful with helping us attract some other kids. So our second year, our, we gave it a try. I think we had 10 kids at a camp and it was just me and, and 10 kids at a small small gym in Mooresville, North Carolina, um, doing some workouts. And you know, from there, we just tried to keep at it. And I think the time came when, you know, Brendan and I, were, our, our, our playing careers are winding down. I think I I, I retired a year sooner than Brendan and decided to come back and come back stateside and give it a chance to just do, you know, camps and training and clinics and just working with kids on the court teams or any sort of uh, tournaments or anything like that was not part of the plan in the beginning. Um, but the more we started to work with kids and the more we started to, you know, do our camps and everything, we saw the need for um, doing what we could to infect that competitive environment. Um, I, I tell a story all the time about seeing one of the seventh grade girls that I was training and watching, supporting one of her AAU games and just leaving that game, you know, a little bit disgusted. It had been, you know, 10 or 15 years since I had been playing AAU myself. And as I walked out of that game and I saw the environment that this girl that I worked with was in, and, you know, it was just a lot of negativity, coaches yelling at other people, kids and referees and um, I remember calling Brendan. I was like, I think, you know, we have been asked to start teams. And I was like, I just think, you know, I, I think we're, we're being called to start teams, to do it differently, to um, try to affect this environment. Because I, I came to appreciate the longer I played um, what I learned from the game of basketball and the relationships that I formed through the game. And I felt like I didn't see any of that when I went to watch this girl play. And I felt like I just, I thought we were obligated uh, to do something about it and do it differently, which led us to starting teams, which led to where we are now with a few iterations in between. So would you say that kind of observing that 
particular game was probably the watershed moment for the mission to change the culture of youth basketball or kind of kind of where was that born from yeah that was it was yeah i was born that day because we again I, I called brendan as i left that game and i was like i think we should i think we need to do this we've been asked a million times to put teams together i was like let's do it but let's do it differently and let's see if our leadership and our perspective and our mentality can 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 attract people and you know we we managed to put together a, a couple of teams our first year and I think we saw that it did. Our teams took their lumps and we we did not win a lot of games in those first couple of years, but what we tried to focus on was creating an environment where kids you know first of all first and foremost learned and developed and we tried to help them through the adversity of losing those games and um developing the fortitude to keep going and the excitement to keep going and um just looking at you know, every chance to play and compete as a learning opportunity. And I think, I think it struck a chord and, um, you know, we, 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 we had that first year and kind of grew steadily from there. So straight from the co-founders mouths for the listeners, when we talk about changing the culture of youth basketball, what are, what are we talking about? What are, what are you all envisioning as the co-founders of pro skills basketball? Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start. I think Logan touched on it a bit. I think probably first and foremost is changing it from kind of a negative, toxic almost environment where you have coaches screaming at refs, parents screaming at players, refs. Um, you have you know players maybe yelling at the other team or the coaches or what. It's just like all around. It's just a little bit negative and toxic and all of that into one that's more positive and, and, and uplifting and um, just less negativity where, where, where our coaches are calm on the sidelines, uh, where they're, they talk to the players in a positive man- manner, where our parents are not screaming and berating the refs. They're not playing mommy and daddy coach on the sidelines and, and trying to tell the coach how to do their job. So I think that's number one is, is, is just coming with a more positive demeanor influence um that sort of thing and then i would say secondarily the other thing we were pretty big on is actually coaching and teaching the game um it one 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 of our biggest things was uh that we didn't want parent coaches or or that unless they were overqualified it was logan and i coaching and then we hired a few other coaches that we knew were good coaches in the area to coach it wasn't mommy and daddy ball um and we wanted to focus on fundamentals on skill work over just running around traveling playing games everywhere um so an actual focus on yeah just skill development and fundamentals good coaching teaching all of that in a positive environment i think though the, initially the those were the two uh kind of i guess foundational principles that that we had yeah I think I think Brendan said it really well. I think the, the thing that I'll add is like changing, um, doing what we could to help people change their perspective a little bit when it comes to like creating that positive environment. I think when I watched, it was very outcome focused. It was very much, did we win? Am I going to be happy now? But if, what we talk with parents about and what we talk with kids about, we are, we want to be process focused and we want to go into every game, every practice, like what can I learn from this experience? You know, there's no, there's no avoiding adversity within competitive athletics. Like it's going to happen. There's going to be adversity. 
And if you approach it with a standpoint of like, every time I, I face adversity, like I'm going to yell and scream at somebody, or I'm going to pout and I'm going to whine, or I'm going to make excuses. Like we didn't feel like that was really conducive to learning. And we didn't feel like that was what we should be teaching kids. And again, I hate to paint it with a broad brush because I know not everybody does that, but what we're trying to do is trying to establish like, Hey, this, this is going to happen. Let's focus on the process. Let's focus on learning and developing. How do we want to handle these situations of adversity? How do we want to set the example for the kids so that they can take this youth sports experience, which is really a microcosm of life and apply that to life after basketball, when they experience adversity or hardship. So, um, it's really easy for us to say, Hey, we got to be positive. We got to be positive. That doesn't always resonate with people. So we try to encourage people like look at hey, what can I learn from this experience and how can I, how can I have this experience make me stronger and make me better. And in that way, I think we can win. So I think a, a big misconception, Chris, which I think you'll touch on is that we're not about winning. Like we are very competitive. We very much believe in winning. Um, we just don't make that our, you know, our main focus. We are not outcome focused. We are process focused. And we feel like being process focused will lead to the outcomes that we want. And if, and if it does, great. We will celebrate and we'll be happy. And if it doesn't, we will be frustrated. We'll be disappointed, but we'll be eager to learn from that experience. So that it makes us better going forward. Yeah. A, gr- a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. It's funny. 100%. I, I, uh, I recorded a focus for the week this morning and it, and it, and it talks a lot about what, what both of you, um, just, just talked about. So that'll, that's, that's kind of neat. Um, do you think that there is a correlation to our mission and your, both of your experiences in European basketball? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, and honestly, just our experience growing up as well. Um, again, we both came from basketball families. We had fathers who were very knowledgeable about basketball, played at a high level. And in particular, my dad did not come to my, he came to my games, but did not scream at the refs. He did not tell the coach what to do, how to, even though he knew more than every coach I ever played for, you know, probably with the exception of, of like Bob McKillop there, you know, but, or, and maybe some of the pro guys, but like, you know, when I was a youth player, he knew more than every coach, but he never yelled at them. He never told them what to do. He would just sit there and watch. He wouldn't yell at me after the game. Um, so I, I, and, 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 and I believe Logan was, you know, in, in a similar situation. So that's kind of like number one. It, it it started from that. It was like okay, that that was pretty a uh, pretty positive experience for me. I, I and I had a have a great relationship with him to this day, uh, because he didn't ruin it when when I was a youth youth basketball player. Uh, but then secondly, yeah, like going overseas. Well, I mean, I, th- I would say playing at Davidson, which is pretty similar to playing overseas, to be honest with you, just because. Uh, our coach there, Bob McKillop, was so focused on fundamentals and, um, you know, uh, maybe a more European style of play um, with with ball movement, shooting, that sort of stuff, than, than a, a lot more of that than uh, the, the pick and roll stuff, which is more common. But yeah, yeah then going overseas and, and seeing how they practiced, what they focused on. We had one game a week. We practiced a lot more than we played. Um, yeah, and, and just did different sorts of drills and 
focused on all, all the skills, even when we were, you know, 22, 23, 25, 26 years old. Um, I mean, we were still shooting hundreds and thousands of shots and working on all of the fundamentals of basketball. And then also being taught the game kind of a different way, a lot of three man stuff that maybe we weren't getting as much uh, in the US. So yeah, very heavy influence from Europe, but also um, from youth basketball and, 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 and college as well. Yeah. I think my perspective, Chris, is, a, a, you know, I think I started pro skills with a little bit different goal in mind. I think when we started, I just, I loved hoops and I loved teaching kids and I loved helping make them better. Um, but as we got deeper into pro skills of a year or two and I stopped playing, I had a chance to sort of reflect on my playing career. Um, and I went through so many hard times in my playing career where I like, I, you know, I had ups and downs. I had like long stretches when I didn't feel good about myself or didn't feel confident or one of my last years in Germany, my playing time went down and I was just miserable on the bench. And, you know, about a year removed when I had a chance to like look back, I was like, man, I wish I would have just enjoyed it. Like the, <laughs> nobody plays basketball forever. Um, the opportunity to be a part of a team and be a part of something bigger than you with people you like doing something active, like that does not last forever. And I, I, again, I look back on my playing career and I look back at times when I really struggled or when I was just obsessed with how I felt about myself or losing or this or that, or what people thought about me. Like, I just want to teach kids like, man, just enjoy this. Like it's going to come to an end at some point. Um, use, enjoy it, use these hardships for, to make you stronger and better for your post playing days. Um, and also just take, take the time to like enjoy being around your teammates and enjoy the experience of competing and, you know, unity with the team because, you know, again, Brendan and I played till we were 30, 31 years old. And you know, I can, I can tell you very few basketball scores or games. You know, I remember some games, but at the end of the day, like I remember the teammates that I played with, the bus rides, the, the team meals and, um, those relationships that I formed are, are, are the lasting memories. Yeah, I did, uh, Logan, I had that same conversation with uh, the middle school team that I coach. We, we finished up last night, and it was that exact same thing, that 20 years from now you're not going to remember the game, but you're going to remember the brothers that are in this locker room mm -hmm. with you. And, yeah. And, it's, and, it's hard, yeah. yeah, it's hard for kids to understand that, but I think as you know, adults, like we're – and, and I think if parents and coaches and leaders like us can get on the same page and help kids think of, you know, their experience in that way, I think it'll just make kids stronger and more resilient in the end. Yeah. And Brendan, uh, back to your Davidson, um, uh, just memories, uh, uh, the handful of practices I've been to, uh, the things that I've appreciated most is kind of their pre-practice before they get onto the main court when they're in their practice gym. And it's just the players sitting around you know, three or four players on each basket with the GAs or the managers and all they're working on is skill-based stuff. Just, just things that make them better, whether it's finishing ball, pick up into their shots, screen and pocket passes. It, 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 that's what they work on. And it, it is just methodic in the way that they work. And then they jump out uh, onto the main court and then, and, you know, Bob had them run through all of the different things that, that, that they needed to do. And in the mean, in, in between, he was yelling strike one, strike two, <laughs> strike three, time to run. Chris, um, I can tell you, I can tell you there's no detail too small for, for Bob McKill. Like those little, what did we call him, Brendan? Was it like situations or, um, I 
can't, think I can't of the word right I now. I can't even remember. I just was going to add on there, Chris. We used to do seemingly stupid stuff too, like practice saving the ball from going out of bounds. And like, you know, one guy would save it and then the other three would have to run towards the ball to get it. But like it worked or we would practice when the ball goes through the net, we would practice hitting the ball with our shoulder as it went through to stop the other team from like fast breaking it or whatever. Yeah. Like it was very, it's funny now thinking about it, but like it really worked. And, and like, it was sometimes you're like, why are we doing this? But yeah. it worked. Hey, how you do one thing's how you do everything. And uh, as in the wise, wise words of our uh, resident bulldog, the standard is the standard. <laughs> and we're going to stay at the standard. So f- 15 years and counting, right? If we go off of 2009-ish with, with the birth of the idea and camps and things like that. Um, is this what you expected? I'll let Logan take that one. <laughs> no. I mean, when we started, I, no, I mean, absolutely not. We, I think Brenda and I were both, um, there was a former Davidson player up in New Jersey who was running a club and we knew who was doing well and we knew, and you know, I know from my perspective, I loved basketball camps growing up. And I just like, man, if I can make a living by putting on my own basketball camps and teaching kids and being around the game, like, man, what a, what a blessing. Um, and I think the turning point came when, when Brendan had the foresight to bring in um, our third partner at the time, Ross Schrader, um, a former friend of his from Denver, who was kind of like us on the end of his playing career, retired from playing, didn't really know what he wanted to do. He moved to Charlotte for a year to help us with pro skills. And again, just a, a basketball junkie who loved being on the court, very came from a family of teachers and educators, loved mentoring and educating kids um, and really helped us grow Charlotte instead of standard for Charlotte. And then he decided to move back to Denver, Colorado and talked with us and said, hey, I, I wanna, I've learned so much from being here for the last year. I wanna take pro skills back to Denver. And he took it back to Denver and, you know, Two years later was really successful and we kind of Brendan and i got together like do we have something that's scalable do we have something where we can you know find the right people give them the blueprint game plan pull them into our into our ecosystem and and grow a company and affect create a brand that affects and impacts a large number of kids that's that's when it became really exciting for us to think about and that's sort of started the evolution of where we are now brendan any anything to add no that like yeah just to to double down on what logan said i mean we just thought we were going to create a kind of a basketball academy um in in lake norman we 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 were i don't know if we were even really thinking all of charlotte like we just thought mm-hmm. it'd be like the north charlotte area and then one thing led to another and then ross came and that ended up working well and then we started we had an opportunity to kind of get into Charlotte, South Charlotte, and that started going well. And so, yeah, then, then I think we just decided our, our, I think our ambitions got, got a little bit bigger um, or maybe our eyes were, were opened and, and, you know, we kept seeing, I think the negativity in, in, in the youth basketball space. And so we really thought we could impact it positively and, and, you know, hopefully change it. And so, I think that inspired us to say like, all right, well, let's try to open up in other cities and, and, you know, get, find other great people. And, and, and that was, that actually now is kind of 
part of why we do this too is like we're able to create employment opportunities for other great basketball people that that we never thought we could do that um but then that kind of came as a result of um growing a little bit and 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 getting lucky in denver and all of that and so now like now that's part of why we do it is is we're able to create employment opportunities whether it's part-time coaching or you know full-time city directing um or, or what have you so um it's pretty cool but no that 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 was never the uh that was never the goal but yeah. uh you never know what's going to happen I, I, <laughs> I guess in life and business and all that yeah so i i've got to correct you on one thing which is you said luck like we got a little lucky in denver as my hat says all hustle no luck uh, as one of our maxims is it's it's hustle and find a way and that's 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 what we did uh, and as you quote, you know, the surface area, you know, the more things you put out there in the surface area, then the more opportunity exists for you, not luck. So we didn't get lucky, Brendan. Uh, second thing, <laughs> shout out to our friend Ross. We love him. We miss him. Ross, wherever you are, Spain, Denver, <laughs> show yourself soon. Um, so you, we've kind of alluded to some of this, but uh, if you could um, fast forward through the last 15 years any any things that stick out as key learnings on you know what we do how we do them why we do them just over the past 15 years and kind of key learnings and kind of maturation in the how the what and the why of who we are and what we do how much time do we have chris you know, <laughs> Not enough because you because no. you well, got a doctor's I mean, I, appointment at ten forty five. That's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think learnings for us as a business and learnings for you know myself personally kind of go hand in hand. And when I think about things that I've learned, like as we've grown and as we've worked with more people, um, I've had to learn to let my values guide my decision making. Not, hey, what can I do that's best? What can I do to make you know, attracts the most people or makes us the most money or does this, it's, it, it, it had to come from a place of like, I really had to define my values, what I'm about and why am I doing what I'm doing and face some difficult decisions and difficult conversations with, with those values guiding the way, you know, and I had to learn that I was a big people pleaser. Um, and I still think that's a big part of who I am. Um, and at the same time, knowing I, I had to learn that I'm not going to please everybody in this job and all the parents and all the kids and all the coaches that we work with, no matter which way we go sometimes in, in leadership positions, somebody's going to be upset or frustrated or angry with you or not like you. Um, and I've had to learn to come to grips with that, face that head on. But at the end of the day, know that my values guide who I am and I can be comfortable as long as I'm comfortable with my decisions and who I am. Um, I still go through the, phases of questioning and debating and am I, am I doing the right thing or am I making the right decision but at the end of the day in this position working with kids I've had to learn like I'm gonna have to make some tough choices and I'm gonna have to make you know decisions that are in line with my values and I feel like we do that as a company yeah that's what I was gonna say is is just in my five-year experience uh being a part of PSB one of the things that I appreciate around the evolution of the past five years since I've been a part of it is we have we have come to uh, crystallize, identify, and strengthen our guardrails 
And, and we have also learned to be flexible within those guardrails that the culture that we're trying to change looks and feels different in some of the cities that we're in uh, based on the leaders that are leading those cities. And as long as we stick to, and I know we make fun of the, you know, Colin and the standard is the standard, but as long as we stay within those guardrails that, that we can affect change in such a momentous way uh, that is done the right way on our values, unlike other programs. And, and, and again, not to paint with a broad brush, because I, I, I think you said that really well, Logan, because there are programs and coaches and, and people doing great things in the youth basketball space, but there's also a stigma to youth basketball. There's other individuals that will bend as much as they possibly can and get themselves in the figure eight and in a pretzel just to get the best player, just to get the best win, just to get the most exposure, just to travel to X, Y, and Z to Timbuktu and here and there. And, and we've established that this is who we are. These are our guardrails and we're not stepping down from them or outside of them. And I like, that's a learning for me that I hope parents, players, kids, coaches, everyone inside and out can learn to appreciate. They may not agree with it, but appreciate the fact that we have a moral compass and we're not wavering from it. Mm -hmm. Brendan. Yeah, no, I mean, like Logan said, I mean, how much time do we have? There's a lot, but, um, I totally agree with what you just said and, and what Logan said that we we've had the, I was going to say luck again, but we've been doing this for 12 years and, and I do feel fortunate that we've been able to see, I mean, almost everything, whether it's on the coaching side, the player side, the parent side. And we have seen that if we stick to our values and our morals and then don't waver from that, that good things will happen. And to those that are in the pretzel, they break at some point. And that might not happen year, you know, in, in a year right away, it, but it, it might take two or three years or whatever. But like, at some point they get themselves in a bind that they just can't get out of and some bad stuff normally happens. And, um, <clears throat> we've seen that quite a bit. Um, and in those, you know, 12 or, or, or more years, I mean, we've learned so much, but the other thing it too, is I turned 40 last year, you know, we're all in the 40 plus club now here. Uh, and, and we've been doing this a while. And what I've realized is, man, basketball does, and youth sports, especially competitive youth sports, they do teach life lessons. And like, I've realized that's, you know, I think a lot of times it's just maybe lip service or, but like they really, they really do. And, and I've seen it. If, if, if it's not for competitive sports, what else is a kid doing that is going to teach them about life later on? Because life is a competition. and like Logan said earlier, like there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some bad things that do happen, but do you have the grit and the fortitude to, to, to get through it and to get over it? And um, I mean, there are other things besides competitive sports I think kids can do, but like, man, competitive sports and competitive basketball is one of the best things I, I think you can do to, to teach those skills, to teach those life lessons. So it's been cool to like really see that over the last like, you know, 12 to 15 years. And, and, and it's not just lip service. It's like, oh man, like I've seen it over and over and over. Um, so 
that is uh that's been very cool to see and 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 now i think at 40 i can appreciate that a bit more than when we first started when we were i don't know 28 29 30 or however old we were mm-hmm. um so yeah so two two things uh to send us out on two two kind of final thoughts questions uh the first thing is um and Logan, you alluded to one of these about winning, uh, and PSV just doesn't want to win, uh, which is a complete misconception when you look at our city directors and the makeup of the caliber of leaders and the experiences that they have. We are probably the most competitive uh, individuals. Uh, just we focus that competition in another way. What, uh, what are some other misconceptions when it comes to maybe who we are, what we do, or what we're about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned the, the winning one, Chris, which I think is important to, you know, hit, hit on again that we, we are very competitive and we're doing what we think will lead to success in the core, but while also recognizing that success is pretty subjective and wins and losses come and go, but like, you know, how one person defines success, another person might not see as a success. So we feel like it's you know the responsible thing to put the emphasis on the process and learning and development which will at the end of the day lead to success when that's a, a a win in a game or a championship in a tournament or getting into a college or graduating from a college or overcoming a difficult boss in the work life like there's all sorts of ways to define success so uh, we try to harp on the process and in, 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 in the hopes that it, it prepares people for for the path um, I think another misconception is that like when you, when you're doing this, this particularly like in the youth basketball space is that we're all about like the money. Um, and it is our job. It is our livelihoods. And we do believe there's a business behind it, but Brendan hit on it before. And I think it's worth mentioning is that we believe that in order to affect positive change, we need good people committed to this as their profession. Um, I think it's hard to ask an adult, a working adult, to bring their best every single day to anything that's a that's a volu- essentially a volunteer position. Um, and so we want, with particularly with like our directors of our club, like this is their full time job. And if we believe they're committed to making positive change, mentoring kids, impacting the community, um, I would hope that most Americans want those people in it full time and being able to afford a decent life and provide for their families while also doing something extremely positive. So um, I think it begins to qu- make me question like, what do we value? And if we really do value the, the health and well-being of our kids and the mentorship of our kids, then we need to, you know, make sure that we compensate the people that are in that for the right reasons and can commit their livelihoods to doing that the right way. Yeah, that's great. Brendan, any, any misconceptions or just thoughts? Yeah, um, Logan definitely hit on two of the main ones. Um, you know, along with that, I think there's probably a third that is you, if you play with us, because we have this kind of European style academy or club model. So it's like a longer term um, commitment uh, for the year. It's not just the three months come in and then see ya. We'll see you next year. It's, it's no, it's eight, nine, 10, 11 months long. And we offer a lot of things in that from practices, games, clinics, camps, trainings, what, whatever it might be in that city, um, that there's maybe a misconception that if you join us, you can't play other sports. And, and, and that's just not correct. Uh, we encourage our kids to play other sports. 
it's probably unlikely that you can play two club sports, you know, like, like club basketball, club soccer. It's just, that's quite a bit, but you know, our, our lot, all, a lot of our kids play rec football, rec baseball, they play rec basketball or, or whatever it is. So, um, you certainly can play multiple sports. We encourage that. We, we know it's healthy for kids. Um, but we have built our club for kids who just love basketball and just want to play as much as possible and, 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 and want to get better. And for parents who appreciate organization and communication and professionalism, um, and, and, and the development of their child and the life skills implemented in there. So that's how we built it. We encourage our kids to play other sports. Um, but I do think that's sometimes a misconception with our club model is, is, is that it doesn't allow that, or, or we don't want that. Yeah. I think Brandon's sitting on the specialization piece, like we, right. because we are a more long-term commitment that we think kids should, should specialize in basketball from a young age. That is far from the truth. We do not believe in that while at the same time, we do not believe that you can become the best, the best basketball player you can become by playing for three months and then not touching a basketball for, you know, the rest of the year. Um, so we tried to strike a balance there when, and I think the misconception is that we are, we are year round and we're every day in the gym year round the clock, which is also not the case. You know, we, we do have our heavy moments, but we also have periods of that year where we're, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not mandatory that you come to workouts. It's just an opportunity. You can show up to workouts. We provide as many opportunities as you can. Some parts of the year are mandatory, team-focused. Some parts are optional. Some parts are recovery-focused. Um, so while we do ask for a long-term commitment, um, the year-round term, I think, sometimes gives people the false perception that we're trying to make kids specialize from a young age, which, to Brenda's point, is not the case at all. Yeah. So uh, four minutes. Uh, before we have to get Logue out, um, hope or direction for the future or any final thoughts uh, for you guys to the listener? Um, I think from my standpoint, we, I hit on it before, we want to, I look at what we do as like connecting people. We, we connect good directors and good coaches with, with families and kids that want to learn and want to develop and share our values. Um, and when looked at from that perspective, I, I want to do that and provide those, as many connections as possible. I believe in the power of a brand. I believe in what our brand stands for. Um, I believe in our ability to attract good people and communicate a strong message. Um, so I, you know, it's my hope and my belief that we're really just getting started in, in what we're trying to do. And we can create a brand that will go a long way and do its part in, in changing the culture of youth basketball from something, you know, that we can view it, be as toxic to something face, something focused on the learning and development um, and creating a positive environment for kids. Brendan. You know, I, I don't have too much more to, 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 to add there. Yeah. I, I, I want to keep, uh, keep growing, keep getting better. Um, keep, you know, continuing to, to change the culture and, and mostly we'll do that by, um, impacting as many families and players and coaches as possible. Keep continuing to be able to find great people, like Logan said, and offering them employment opportunities. Um, yeah. And just, yeah, just ultimately continue to change the culture of youth basketball through our, 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 our growth and values and, and everything we're doing. Yes, yeah, so in in my uh, perspective or in my opinion, sport and in this case basketball can be used uh, 
to foster and build deep, meaningful relationships and essential life skill. That's it, plain and simple. And um, if that's not your intention as an organization, as a parent, as a coach, that is definitely your right. But it, we want to build and foster deep, meaningful relationships and essential life skill. Uh, because at some point the basketball is going to stop bouncing sooner rather than later for the majority of kids that are participating in youth sports and basketball again in this case. And so instead of allowing organizations, coaches, other entities to use your child, how about you uh, make sure you're with a program that's helping your child learn to use the game to get them uh, a, a, a stronger footing for their future? Um, and so it's with that that uh, I say thank you to Brendan and Logan. Really appreciate you guys jumping on, being a little vulnerable uh, right now. And then to the listener, uh, really appreciate, as always, you guys press and play uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay focused and leave it all on the court. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe so that you can stay tuned to future episodes. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at ProSkillsBasketball on Instagram and Facebook and at ProSkillsBball on Twitter. And if you'd like to find out more information about our teams, camps, clinics, or virtual basketball, check out our website at www.ProSkillsBasketball.com. We'll see you soon on another conversation.